from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I hope you're all having yourself a tremendous Monday morning. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Happy day that should be a reminder to everybody of where we should be and where we are not yet. Martin Luther King stood up for something. Martin Luther King and, and, and countless others have believed for the longest time, as do I, that it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you make or where you came from or what your nationality is. What matters is the content of your character. And so this morning on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I am proud, I am excited, I am very, very honored that I get to be on the air today. Now, I know a lot of people are off. I know that you guys have a little break, have a little day off. And I know that, you know, we appreciate days off, right? We get really excited about days off and we have a ton of fun because we know that we don't have to go to work. But you have to remember why you have the day off and what it means, why it's important to have the day off that you have off. To not simply just say, oh, well, it's a day off, so thank God. But to celebrate the meaning of today, to celebrate the meaning of the civil rights movement, to celebrate the fact that we have to get better and understand, to take a step back from all this and say, where are we compared to where we were? Have we gone backwards? Yes. How do we move forward together? Is it hard to do? No. How do we do it? We believe in one another. So welcome here to Monday morning's broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. It's January 21st, and on today's broadcast in the first hour, you're going to hear the Monday morning quarterback, as you always do, with my guy Marvin Graves, who played quarterback for Syracuse in their collegiate history. So you'll hear from Marvin Graves in just a few minutes here at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. He'll take us through the first hour of the broadcast speaking on the two NFL playoff games. He'll give us his thoughts on the Patriots defeating the Chiefs in overtime on the road and the Rams defeating the Saints in overtime on the road. So two road teams heading to the Super Bowl, two number two seeds heading to the Super Bowl, and two teams doing it while on the road. So pretty insane what's coming up here. Very excited about it. We're going to discuss it with Marvin Graves, and uh, Marvin and I are also going to speak on Dino Babers as he made his third trip to the halftime game of a Syracuse men's basketball event. So we'll talk about Dino Babers and his meaning to Syracuse University and so much more coming up in just a little bit here in the first hour of the show. And then the second hour of the show, we're going to have our antics, our fun, and our excitement as always. We'll talk on the NFL playoffs, Syracuse men's and women's basketball, Syracuse football. We'll talk about Marywood as well with fellow Marywood alum Ross Turetsky and a great friend of mine. Consider him a brother. He is a Northeast sportscaster and writer, and he does a tremendous, tremendous job. He's just a good person overall more than anything. So he's going to join us in the second hour of the show, and we're going to have a nice conversation about all the about all the good stuff here. So I'm very excited about the opportunity to speak with Ross in the second hour of today's show. So he'll be hanging out with us. So first hour, Marvin Graves in just a few minutes. And the second hour, Ross Turetsky here on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And with it being Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I thought it was only right to share this this morning. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic 
shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Let freedom ring 
from the provincial slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. God Almighty, we are free at last. Tremendous, tremendous words. Love, respect, equality, perseverance, joy, understanding, empathy, discipline, confidence, self-worth. It all comes from that speech. All of those words in that speech. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. I hope that one day we will say those words as one family. Brown, black, blue, orange, yellow, purple, polka dot, white. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You should be looked at on the content of your character. Who you are as a person, what you say, what you do. Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you hurt people? Do you build people up or do you break people down? Are you good to other people or are you only good to yourself? Do you give? Do you give only to receive? These are all questions. They all have answers. And that's how you should look at a human being. By what they say and what they do. Not the color of their skin. Not something that they can't control. So if somebody's different than you, if they have an intellectual disability, if they have, you know, I don't know the politically correct words, you know, disability, handicap, those are the things that we said growing up. You know, if, if if somebody has special needs or if someone is a different sexual orientation than you, or if they feel that they're a woman but they were born a man or vice versa, or if they are a different color, have a different background, speak a different language, family makes different money than your family does, less, more. We're all the same. We all cry the same. We all laugh the same. We all frown the same. We all smile the same. We all want to be loved, whether we admit it or not. We show affection the same. So how can we not, at the basis of everything meaningful and at the basis of simple things like smiling or giving a kiss or a hug, it's all the same. How could we not see that equality is something that wasn't ever a right for someone to take away, but it's a God-given birthright for us to have. We all have it. And no one shall take it away. God bless you. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Now let's take a step aside for a fast break, and we'll come back with Marvin Graves. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is 
brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop at Honda City. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortor on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Once again, happy morning here, happy Monday morning, and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everybody that's out there today. It's like Valentine's Day in the sense of that's not the only day you should tell your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend or 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 mate partner it's that's not just the day that you should tell them that you love them and treat them good because it's Valentine's Day it's the same thing as Martin Luther King Jr. Day this is a day to reflect it's a day to think about what's going on in our world and where we're at right now but it most certainly by no stretch of the imagination, is it the only day to think about what's going on in the world and the only day to think about how we need to make it better and what we need to do. So it's a day to reflect, but it's a day that should be a reminder of what every day should be in this country, and that is something to take with you to heart. Marvin Graves is here with me this morning. He is always our Monday morning quarterback, speaking on college and professional football. He was a quarterback for the Syracuse Orange, living in their history with the greats statistically, the Ryan Nassibs, the Eric Dungies, the Donovan McNabs. He is right there with them throughout the record books of the Syracuse Orange, and he is here with us as our Monday morning quarterback to take the moniker and turn it into something different to have on Monday morning a true quarterback speaking with us on the game. So we will be discussing the Rams at the Saints, the Patriots at the Chiefs, and of course the Dino Babers factor. But first and foremost, Mr. Marvin Graves, how are we doing today? Doing great, Dan. Doing great, Dan. It's freezing down here in D.C., but <laughs> man, what, a, what a beautiful day to talk some football, talk to you, man, and celebrate Martin Luther King. And I want to I want to start with that and, and celebrating Martin Luther King Day because I started off the show by playing his speech. I felt like it was the only way to start off the show is to let him speak and for us all, including myself, to sit back and listen. What can you say about Martin Luther King? What his message means to you still to this day, and and just your overall thoughts that go that go through your head on a day like today. I mean, he was huge. Um, There's really not much I can say that no one else has said, but, um, you know, the man stood for something. He stood for, you know, equality, not just for black people, for all people, you know. And, you know, that's that's just, I think, a lot of people's 
uh, wish that, you know, we really took a step back and, and try to imagine a world where, you know, we, we all could really get together how much beautiful this world could be. Uh, so um, just a reminder that, you know, through all the mess that we go through, um, there were pioneers that uh, did stand up for, you know, what they believed in. They, they had people that, that followed them. Um, and, and I just believe that, um, you know, it's just a great day to hit the reset button. If, if, you know, your world is chaotic or your, your thoughts are all over the place, um, you look at people like this and, you know, say, I can start over and I can start, you know, doing the right thing. That coming from Marvin Graves this morning, Syracuse Orange quarterback in their history, late eighties, early nineties. And somebody who definitely appreciates and and respects those messages like that Marvin to go a little bit deeper into that you said that you know on this day which is a day off from work that you feel like you have to work you feel like you have to do something on this day because of the fact that it's a day for you where you know Martin Luther King Jr. had done so much work and and tried to create so many things and was tireless in his efforts that you feel like you have to be tireless in your own right. So just to speak on that a little bit further and the importance of you to do something and to help someone on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's not anything that I made up. Um, actually, I used to hear it on the radio show where, you know, you may have some nonprofits or, different organizations around um, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, uh, you know, calling it more of a day on instead instead of a day off. And I just always remembered that and thought that, you know, that was pretty catchy and, you know, it made sense. So, you know, different people do different things. And, um, uh, you know, for me today, you know, it'll be more, you know, doing work around the house. It's pretty cold down here in D.C., which I know is not saying much up in Syracuse, but it's it's pretty, one of the coldest days of the year is really windy, so I won't be doing much outside, but, you know, I can take care of the house that, you know, God blessed me to have and, you know, fix and do some little things around here. So that'll be, you know, my work for the day um, and, and just spend time with my family. And, you know, with you being in the D.C. area, it just, you know, to you, is, is, the, is the field different? You know, does it, does it hold more weight? Is there, is there more of a different sense down there, you know, knowing that it, you know, this message that was carried that people have heard since the day he spoke it, you know, that it was that it was there. I mean, it was there in Washington, D.C. It was there where our forefathers are honored. So, you know, to you, does it does it carry a different weight? Does it feel different? Is there a sense of something in the air in D.C.? Or do you feel that, you know, it's it, maybe it feels the, the same in, in other places that you've been as well? Um, I think that's a really good question because, um, you know, it did happen here in D.C. I'm always down, uh, you know, by the memorial and uh, where it took place. Um, I go fishing down there. I go running down there. I just go down there to just clear my head. Um, but, you know, even myself as a Washingtonian, we really take a lot of these places for granted because we've been here. We see them so much. And, you know, when you go down and you see all the tourists taking pictures and things of that nature, you know, it's like, you know, we really have a lot of great history here, as well as every other city, but, you know, in the case that we're talking about, you know, we have a lot of history here that um, I think a lot of us take for granted. We go to these museums and stuff when we're in school and we're younger, um, but myself, you know, even in a, my older age, you know, I haven't been back to any of the museums you know, with my kids, and now we're older, and and there's so much more than when I was growing up, so um, I think we take pride in the fact that, you know, we are Washingtonians, and it was here, but um, I don't think we appreciate it more than anyone else around the country. That coming from Marvin Graves this morning on Monday Morning Quarterback inside a wake-up call 
with Dan Tortora. Marvin, you mentioned it. You have children. What is your message to them in a world where things have gotten better and then they've gotten worse and sometimes it feels good and sometimes it doesn't? What is your message to your children when when they leave the house, when they go out to you know face the world? What what are your thoughts to them? What are what is your you know, what are your kind of lasting words with your kids? Because, I mean, obviously, I, I don't have children yet of my own, but I can only imagine. I love kids, and I love, you know, being an uncle and whatnot. I can only imagine what goes through a parent's head when a child leaves a house and when an African-American child leaves a house. You know, there's there's more weight to that and, and more concern to that at times, which is unfortunate, but it's a reality that needs to be discussed. So what does go through your mind, and what are you saying to your kids when they walk out the door? Well, I, I, I always tell my kids that I love them, um, and I just I tell them to be safe. Um, because, you know, to be honest with you, man, as a black male, you know, when I look at all of what's going on out here, you know, it, it's so much crime, it's so much killing, it's so much... Uh, uh, trafficking. I have fe- I have female daughters, so you know, there's so many little girls getting snatched, and you know, you just can't take for granted when somebody walk out that door that they're going to come back the same way they left, or that they're going to come back at all. So um, I pretty much been in my kids' lives all their lives, and you know, I not only wanted them to be book smart, but you know, I I want them to be street smart, and I'm not a guy that came from the streets, you hear a lot of people say, I came from the streets, whether that's selling dope or, or or robbing or killing and things like that, but I grew up around all of that, just like a lot of, you know, urban city, you know, people, and, um, you know, I had buddies that was involved and stuff like that and did, you know, certain things, so, you know, I try to educate my kids as much as I can um, about drugs, about uh, prostitution, about trafficking, about just just being aware. Uh, the main thing I want them to do is be aware. Everyone always looking down at their phones, you know, taking selfies, doing stuff like that. And, you know, you don't even know that somebody's following you. So, um, you know, I grew up in D.C., man. So it, it, it's a beautiful place, but, you know, it's a grimy place at the same time. So I just try to make sure that they're on point, you know, when they go out in the street and they know how to handle themselves and, you know, different situations and sometimes things happen and I try to teach them to, you know, diffuse the situation before, you know, you kind of jump off and, you know, take it somewhere it don't need to go. And that goes back to Martin Luther King, peace when possible, violence if necessary. So, um, you know, I teach them to just be young women and, and be good citizens and, you know, we don't go out here to start anything. We don't go out here to take anything from anyone. You know, we, we're pleasant, but, you know, you have to protect yourself and you have to let people know that, you know, you, you're, 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 not a, you're not a chump, basically. And when, like you said, growing up around that but not being a part of it, what kept you focused? What kept you driven through that? I mean, what did you see in that world? And, you know, then secondly... What made you stay away from it all? What what kept you strong when, you know, other people in that peer pressure sometimes succumb to it? I mean, sports pretty much, you know, I think saved me. I played sports all year round, you know, so I played football. Um, I played basketball and baseball first and eventually got in, you know, to actually play organized football, so... I was playing sports year-round, and, you know, I had friends that, you know, played one or two sports and or played one sport. I had some, some guys that were good at sports that, you know, chose not to be on the team for whatever reason, whether it was attitude or, you know, they were in the street. Um, you know, back in the 80s, the mid-80s, early 80s, uh, we all know the story how um, <clears throat> crack cocaine was uh, – came about a cheaper way to put uh, cocaine in, into the inner cities. And, you know, a lot of people wanted a part of that. So, you know, I've seen everybody, I've seen, you know, I've seen it cooked, I've seen it cut up, I've, I've, I've seen people smoke it. Um, I've never personally tried it myself. Um, but, 
you know, that that's what happened back in the 80s. So, um, you know, with drugs come, you know, guns, uh, come knives, come, you know, people always wanting to be that top guy. So um, you can kind of see some of that stuff going on around the city um, as you grow up. But, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, I had good mentors, my mom, my dad, um, even some of the guys in the neighborhood, um, once they saw you on a certain path, wouldn't allow you to be involved in certain things. So um, that's that's pretty much, you know, what saved my life was, was sports. And back then, neighborhoods were neighborhoods. So, um, you know, even though some guys were, were selling drugs and, and doing different things, you know, they tried to make sure that, you know, you stayed on your path. And in keeping on your path, who would you credit to that, Marvin? You know, everybody has somebody. Every everyone has someone that that joins them on the journey and and helps them there. Just what you can say about who joins you on your journey and who helped you move forward and get to where you are today, where you're a father, you're a husband, you're somebody who is trying to do good and positives in this world. You brought positives to my life. So, who helped you get to this point? I mean, it's a lot of people that you know, played a hand in it from, you know, my immediate mom, my dad, um, you know, my sisters, um, you know, my neighborhood, parents, you know, back back when I grew up, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time outside, but we spent a lot of time at each other's houses, and, you know, parents would discipline you uh, sort of the same, so... You didn't have kids running around disrespectful and, you know, cursing, and you had a level of respect and could be disciplined by other people's parents. So um, I, I say a lot of people have have a hand in, in that, but, you know, if I had to say one person, and it's definitely no disrespect to my mom, I would just say my dad. Yeah, and, and to have a good father in the world that we live in today. Unfortunately, you know, some people grow up without a mom, some people grow up without a dad, some people grow up without both. You know, I mean, you had you had both, I have both. You know, there's there's a beauty to that. There's there's uh, something that I mean, I thought growing up when I was a little kid, you know, I'm 5 years old, 8 years old, my mind is is oh, you know, everybody has two parents. Everybody has this household. They have the support, they have the love. But that's not the case. So, like you said, you know, back in the day, you could discipline other people's kids. If somebody was acting out of line or something like that, you know, you could take them aside and say, hey, you know, this is not what we do, or you need to go say you're sorry to Mrs. Simpson, or you need to go say sorry to Mr. Smith type of thing. I mean, that that's, that's how life was. You know, it was a community. It was a village. So, just to speak on getting back to that and getting back to the fact that, you know, we, as people should want the young people to be good to the other people because they're eventually going to be the keepers of this planet just to go into that a little bit deeper. Well, I mean, in order for us to, to move in that direction, um, you know, we as adults have to change uh, because kids do more of what you do than what you say. So uh, a lot of things that's going on today uh, with our youth is because of us. It's because of the older generation. Um, they're just they're just not out here. Yeah, some kids are left to just figure things out for themselves, but they're still watching someone that they figure is a mentor, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a dope dealer, whether it's a doctor. They're looking, they're impressionable. So, um, you know, my neighborhood is very diverse now. Um, you know, my neighborhood was... Was, was always mixed, but, but, but predominantly uh, African-American. And, you know, now, over the last two or three years, like, people are looking at me on my block that I've been living on for 20-something years as if, who is this guy? Um, so kind of to answer your question, it's just like, until people really kind of take the blinders off, Stop listening to everything that's in the media, prejudging people, and meet people at face value, and say hello when you walk down the street, whether you're white, black, red, or brown, and just have some type of, you know, relationship, some type of bond. You know, everyone's not going to come over for dinner to eat. Everyone's not going to, 
uh, be invited to parties, but there could be still a level of, you know, respect saying, hello, how you doing? You know, every now and again having a conversation. And that's what I don't see. Neighborhoods are not neighborhoods anymore. You know, and and, and part of it is because no one trusts trust anyone. You know, so, and, 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 you know, it's hard. It's hard to do so with everything that's going on, but I just feel like people got to understand we work better together. We can get more done together than everyone trying to hide in their own little huts as if, you know, they're so much different than everybody else. So um, I, I just think, you know, they wonder why the younger, the younger generation is somewhat confused or what have you. I mean, you know, look at our president and just look at what some of our leaders are doing. So, you know, don't point the finger at the young people. Look in the mirror and point it at, at the grown-ups. Yeah, you know, and, and people mimic what they see at times and, you know, how and how you're, you know, what you, what you have around you and what you're seeing on the television. You know, I, I saw it before. And I mean, this I've seen, you know, little kids see something on TV and they start to be that way. They start to act that way. So, you know, to me, you got to be good all the way around. You can't obviously police every single thing that your child sees and and what people say to them and whatnot. But the reality of it all is we got to be good to each other. And I, you know, it's just the realization that it's not that hard to do, yet we treat it like it's trying to figure out something, you know, uh, crazy and and elaborate, but in no shape, way, way, shape, or form is it crazy and elaborate. So I appreciate before we talk about football today that, you know, Marvin Graves here on the broadcast, that Marvin, you, you've been so open about talking about the facts that it's not that hard to love, so we need to stop treating it as such and and to break down the barriers, especially when they don't make any sense. Absolutely. And, you know, we also got to understand that uh, every everyone has a story. So even in me saying, you know, I don't think it's that hard to love. Well, I know what love feels like. You know, some people don't. So we have to make sure that the people that don't are reamed in, are, are, are brought in, are... Uh, you know, finessed into a position where, you know, they kind of can see what it feels like. Because you have people that's, you know, been abused. You have people that's been sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused. So, you know, everyone everyone has a different story. But, you know, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And I just believe that you just have to walk. You just have to walk in a way that you want to be treated, even if you know, this world is going to be ugly sometimes. Sometimes you got to take the high road, like I said. And, you know, that's just how I try to I, I try to do things. I try to um, carry myself um, because, you know, violence really, violence really solves nothing. Violence solves nothing at all. And um, a lot of people are hurt when someone's, you know, killed or... Uh, abducted, things like that. There's a lot of people affected by that. And, you know, I just feel like God gave everyone the talent and, you know, if we could all work together, maybe we could, you know, cut down on a lot of the violence and, and the killing and, and the hatred and things like that. We got to be better. And there has to be, a, you know, there has to be a check and balance and we have to be able to kind of check each other and balance each other out because, again... Like you said, violence solves nothing. Negativity only breeds more negativity. Hate breeds more hate as love breeds more love. So you choose which one you want to breed, but they're both capable of having children. It's either hate or it's love. And, you know, Martin Luther King on on his day, which it should be every day, you know, Martin Luther King made the statement of equality, of love, of being mad, being upset, knowing that there's injustice, but calling people to peacefully make a difference and peacefully move forward and to not show hate where hate was shown to them. And I think that uh, of everything that Martin Luther King Jr. said on the speech that so many people will listen to today and, and have listened to throughout history and whenever they feel the need to, I think you should go back to it. But, you know, to hear his words and hear the fact that there there is no hate 
and no anger. And it's it's very, very difficult for a human being, especially for what he was talking about, to not have a moment of rage, to not have a moment where you could go off on a tangent and 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 be so upset but that he could talk about things that really genuinely hurt him. He could make examples that that I'm sure bothered him and made him very upset within his household. But when he stood in front of all of those people and he stands in front of all of us today, his words rang true. We need to be together. We need to be equal. And we need to love one another in a world full of hate. And I think that that's the biggest message that he could send is that there was no eye for an eye. It was only to get better from here and to be better than what he had seen and what other people had seen as well. Absolutely. And I mean, that's what a leader does. Um, you know, at that time, you know, it, I couldn't really even imagine living during that time period, you know, to be honest with you, you know, the things that, uh, you know, people went through and let me say this, you know, I, I know as well as you know, all white people are not bad. All black people are not bad. All, you have good people and you have not so good people. And, you know, unfortunately with racism, you know, you have a group of people that um, I personally feel like has been taught, I personally feel like has issues within their self that if you feel like it's, it's almost bullying, you know, if you have to continually push or beat or just try to make someone feel bad, about themselves, then that says that there's some issues, you know, with you. And I just feel like, um, you know, people that, people that, that's one of the, the main things that scared me, going back to your earlier question, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, when my kids leave out the house and, you know, they're going to Maryland or they're going to the mall and this and that, you know, yeah, I worry about them getting into it with, you know, black girls or black boys. But, you know, I, I worry about, uh, you know, uh, a, a white guy or a white, white girl uh, doing something to them just because they're black. You know, that, that really worries me. And, you know, I would never do anything to anyone's kid, whether they're white, they're black. If I'm outside and I see a kid, you're a kid. You know, I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care where your parents come from. You know, if I'm an adult and you're a kid, I'm supposed to make sure and look over top and make sure you're okay. You know, and, and that's just the way it is. I just think um, Martin Luther King was a leader and, you know, he led the right way because he led a nonviolent uh, a movement. Um, if he did lead, lead a violent movement, those people would have followed him. And, you know, we would have had more bloodbaths. So um, I think he did it in the right way and... Um, you know, like I said, his 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 legacy is is stamped forever, and you know, there's no, it's never too late to hit the reset button on anything. And um, you know, I'm just I'm just happy to be an African American. Um, I'm happy to be on this radio show with you, my brother from another mother. And you know, we all can get along, but it's it's going to take time and it's going to take effort from from everyone. Uh, coming from Marvin Graves here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, our Monday morning quarterback, and those words, Marvin. I mean, I could, I could drop the mic and walk out of here. But you know, hearing brother from another mother from you, I mean, that 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 to me is that is that is more than any accolade, award, gift. I mean, that, that there's nothing in the world that that can replace when. You know, you you hear those words, or you get to say that to somebody else. So I am in one hundred and fifty percent agreement with you, and I'm happy. You know, whatever mother we both had that we uh, that we can connect here today, and that we can have you know this moment. And I agree with you; it's a brother from another mother. I met you on the field of Syracuse football history, you know, last season, and and uh, it was it, it's it's just crazy to me that. You know, people believe that dreams can't come true, and they can. I was on that field and, you know, heard you were going to be there, come down, you know, at halftime or whatever, and I came downstairs from the press box, and everybody was talking to you and whatnot, and I was like, you know what, I want to pull them aside because I actually want to have, and, and this is what I do with everybody. I want to build a relationship. I don't want to just ask a question with the beehive is what I call it. So I wait till the hive goes away, and then, you know, I just I want to connect. So 
to have that opportunity to speak with you and and you know connect with you that way and and then to be where we are today I, I was looking at pictures of you in in Syracuse football books and in the in the record books and and everything that you did and and now you know to to hear that message from you I, I can't I mean the pleasure is is all mine to to be considered a a brother, a part of your family, and, and I mean, it, for a little kid that grew up watching and and seeing and, and being around it, I mean, I, I don't have you take you took this man and made him speechless, and I speak for a living. So, congrats to you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome, man, and I mean it. You know, um, <clears throat> like I said, Syracuse is is my second home, and Ivan Fizz and the rest of the crew. Uh, congratulations to Ivan Fizz going back to the Super Bowl with New England. Um, um, came and got me from Washington, D.C., and a kid that really never even thought that he could play college football and to go, you know, there and actually get an opportunity to not only play, but to start four years and, you know, still be connected. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a community, um, it's a network, and, you know, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, and and a big shout out to Ivan Fears, like you said, the running backs coach of the New England Patriots, who just so happens to have two of the most effective running backs in the game. Well, I should say three of the most effective running backs in the game with Rex Burkhead, James White, and Sony Michelle. Here with Marvin Graves this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora in the first hour. He is our Monday morning quarterback. So, Marvin. All your words have been tremendous. Everything that we spoke about, so much more than sports. I do want to get into the sports world, and uh, you know, I'd be re- remiss if I didn't mention this. But once again, thank you for your kind words. I can't thank you enough for that. Those are going to sit with me forever. So, the Patriots, Ivan Fears, you know, like you said, your connection to him with Syracuse. He's got this running back crew. They went and they did what they needed to do. The Patriots, and I, I said this going into the game, is that the Patriots are that team where, for whatever reason, the last few years, oh, they're not that good. Oh, they can't get it done. Oh, they have, you know, Bob Kraft is fighting with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's fighting with Tom Brady. Why did they get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? Tom Brady's getting older. Tom Brady has a gash on his hand. Oh, Julian Edelman isn't what he used to be. Chris Hogan isn't stepping up. Rob Gronkowski is a shell of himself. This team's defense isn't that good. We hear this every single year, and I can only imagine that the Patriots are the ones pushing this information out, giving you these, you know, these anonymous sources, throwing stuff out there to make everybody think they can't. I mean, I think that this is a this this is a giant conspiracy of sorts because every single season we hear that the Patriots are done. They can't do it. It has passed them. They're getting too old. They're fighting with each other. Yet they go up against the Kansas City Chiefs, who have had a valiant effort without Kareem Hunt. And they win the game in overtime, and Tom Brady's got this look of amazement on his face. But I think that that's a joke. I think he knew that they were going to win. I can see through that Tom Brady fake face, and I think that he knew it was going down. What What is your thought on the Patriots? Because we keep hearing that they're not gonna, and then they do. So what's going on in football right now? Well, I think what you what you have in in New England is. Uh, a dynasty and it goes to show um that when you put your system in place when you put when when i when i say your system i mean everything not just your offense not just your defense not just a special team but when you put a coaching staff when you put an organization together from top to bottom and everybody's on the same page and you're not and you're not um there's really no superstars tom brady's a superstar let's not let's not but he made himself a superstar. Tom Brady was a late, what, fifth-round draft pick or something like that. Um, so they're not playing favorites for anybody. This is our system. This is how we do things. And if you can't get with it, we'll get rid of you. Now, with that being said, you know, my hat goes off to these coaches, man, the, the, the game planning and and the adjustments and just the just – plays that they run, I'm, I'm sitting there yesterday watching both games, and um, I, I, I'm i a fan dude guy, so I do gamble a little bit on football, and yesterday as I'm looking through, uh, 
you know, what, what running backs and things that I'm going to put in, I was like, man, I, I need to put Sony Michelle in because the Kansas City Chiefs can't stop, they can't stop the run. You know, they've been, teams have been playing from behind so much against them that uh, I knew New England was going to come out and run the football because, like you said, they had three, three great running backs that can do, uh, that are very versatile. Um, and, and I threw that guy in and he did well for me. So, I just think what you see is a dynasty and, 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 and a team that can, they've been there, they know what it's like. Um, you know, I think when you play around a, a guy like Tom Brady, no matter who you are, you have to elevate your game. And I just think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a team that's a, a championship breed that knows what the moment is about and knows that, you know, in this 60 minutes, um, we just have to execute and scheme up better than you. And they do that. They find a way. They find a way. And Ivan Fears, who who you always give credit to in your connection to Syracuse, being the running backs coach with the Patriots, the Patriots in in the game against the Chiefs in this AFC Championship game this season, every single touchdown outside of the one in the second quarter from Tom Brady to Philip Dorsett was on the ground for the Patriots. Sony Michelle had a touchdown in the first quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead both had a touchdown on the ground, and the overtime victory win is Rex Burkhead's two-yard run that made it 37-31. So just to go a little bit deeper into Ivan Fears, and you know, I know that he means a lot to you, but I mean, th- this man has a stable of running backs and a successful, successful run with these gentlemen. And obviously, he knows what he's teaching and he knows what he's doing because these guys come in and you know they they lead the Patriots to yet another Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I I remember. <coughs> excuse me, I remember. Uh, Ivan Fears even coaching up at Syracuse. And, and, and again, like, uh, New England system seems, it, it reminds me of Syracuse so much. You know, Paul Pasqualoni and, and Dick McPherson, um, the system that we had in place, the accountability that we had for for each other, um, you know, we had guys checking classes. I mean, you still have guys missing classes, let's be real. But, you know, we had we had a guy on staff that checked classes, you know, that made sure you go to class. So, you know, we did things top class at top notch at Syracuse. And that's what I see in New England. And Ivan Fears, I mean, come on. I mean, this guy left Syracuse and broke my heart uh, because he was the guy that recruited me. And he's been in the same place ever since then. I think that was 90, was it 90 or 91 that they left? And he's still the coach for the New England Patriots. I mean, phenomenal. You know, never a guy that's been talked about getting a head job. And, you know, I respect that. I respect that longevity. I respect the fact that uh, he found a place where I guess he can call home and he wasn't looking to go anywhere and he helped build a dynasty. Yeah, he's a five-time Super Bowl champion. He was with Syracuse from 1980 to 1990 as the wide receivers coach and then went to the New England Patriots as the wide receivers coach from 91 to 92, then went to the Chicago Bears from 93 to 98 as the wide receivers coach, came back to New England from 99 to 2001 as the wide receivers coach, and has been the running backs coach since 2002, a span of now 17 years coming back with the Patriots, five-time Super Bowl champion. I would think that this is person, this is somebody from the coaching tree in Syracuse that maybe we should discuss a little bit more because of his tremendous success, but not only that, his longevity. It's so easy these days to get fired in the NFL or in football, college football, you know, the ranks of football in general, and in the especially professional ranks of any sport. So, I mean, I... I, I I think we got to give a shout out to Ivan Fears above all things that he has had his longevity and that his message has rung true to players for decades upon decades and for the last 17 years with the New England Patriots. Absolutely. And I didn't I didn't know that he left uh, New England for those few years to go to Chicago. I didn't know that. Um but you know even still um you know the longevity man he looks great on the sideline, you know I just think he's the guy that sets an example um, by his work ethic and what he does more so than what he says. And I think that's why, uh, you know, when those running backs come and they they buy into, um, 
you know, what he's teaching. And, you know, it's another guy that's coming up behind him that's a hell of a running back coach that I play with, Dave Walker, who's cut from the same cloth. So, you know, Isaac Fears has, has been, you know, he's affected a lot of people's lives, including mine, and, you know, he's still doing it. Honestly, I would love to see if, if he would jump out there and be a head coach somewhere. Yeah, Ivan Fear is doing a tremendous, tremendous job and has a chance at getting his sixth Super Bowl ring, which some people, most people, pretty much all of us, would love to have the, a shot at one of them. And he has you know, a shot at, at, at getting number six, which is absolutely insane. Now, Marvin, to, to go into your story a little bit more with with Ivan Fears, was he your direct recruiter? Was was he somebody that had kind of started the Syracuse relationship with you? I know we've talked about him before, but to go a little bit deeper into it, just how involved was he, and was he kind of the face of Syracuse football for you, or or was it somebody else? It was Ivan Fears. He, uh, I believe he had the D.C. area, and um, if I can remember correctly, Syracuse was recruiting a running back um, Richard Dickens, that was a year ahead of me. Um, Richard Dickens was tough, man. Uh, kid from um, Northeast D.C. Um, uh, wasn't a real big kid. Tough, fast, had great vision. Um, he ended up going to Delaware State. He was he was some, somewhat of a knucklehead, but he ended up playing some college football. But I, I, he was the first guy that I saw wearing the Syracuse hat. And I was like, Syracuse got a football team? So um, kind of paraphrasing the story of how it went, I think Ivan Fears was down recruiting um, football and actually came to a Carroll basketball game and saw me out there playing basketball. Um, and went back and told Coach McPherson that we got to take a look at this kid down at Carroll. He's a quarterback, he's a point guard, and he, he, he pitches and plays baseball. Um, but I heard that, you know, he really liked the way I was in control on the basketball court, played, you know, kind of smooth and under control and ran the team. And um, next thing I know, Syracuse is recruiting me. So, um, I knew nothing about Syracuse football. Only thing I knew is we had uh, Sherman Douglas from D.C., you know, up there playing basketball, and uh, Syracuse had the dome. So it was never a place that, you know, I thought that I could be, you know, playing football or basketball. And I just always saw it as an elite program. That coming from Marvin Graves here with us this morning, Syracuse Orange quarterback alum, speaking on Ivan Fears and and in kind of summing it all up here, the Patriots get the victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. The Rams get the victory over the Saints. Both of these games, both championship games for the respective conferences, the, the respective sides, the AFC for the Patriots and the NFC for the Rams. What do you think about these games? They're both number two seeds, Marvin. They're both on the road. They both go to overtime, and they both win overtime. I don't know. Of uh, I mean, my 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 history of of covering, watching, knowing the NFL. Uh, this is not something that I'm used to seeing two overtime games here. What are your thoughts on on you know both of the teams that are moving on to the Super Bowl, the Patriots and the Rams, to to be the number two seeds, to be the team that had to travel for their championship game and to be the teams that went into overtime and took care of overtime and in sudden death were able to get it done? Well, I think, to me, the most impressive win was the Rams. Um, I feel like New England has been there before. The Rams is more of a young team. Sean McVay, who um, I uh, take my hat off to him. We had him on our staff with the Redskins. Uh, to be a young coach, I think he's just turning 40, I believe. To be able to take his team to the Super Bowl, to acquire a guy like C.J. Anderson at the end of the season, to add to that potent running game, um, I think that victory was was more impressive because um, the Rams got off to a very slow start and, and defensively, uh, you know, kept them in the game by holding the Saints to field goals. So um, those guys just kept fighting and kept fighting and. Like I said, you see the adjustments, and then sometimes it just comes down to, you know, the guys making plays on the field. And, you know, it, it was a great, great playoff to watch. Um, 
I think that the Rams, like I said, was the most impressive win. But I think games like that, when you play on the road and you can get it into the fourth quarter and, and it's close, I think the pressure now is on on the home teams. And I think that's what happened yesterday. I think these games were close. They got it into the fourth quarter. And the teams that, that played on the road, you know, all they had was themselves. And, and they stuck together and they pulled out victories. And I think it sets up for, for a great Super Bowl. It's going to be a tremendous Super Bowl. The Rams going up against the Patriots in a big-time game. The youth of the NFL, Sean McVay, a young coach. Jared Goff, a young player. Todd Gurley, a young player. C.J. Anderson finding his way after being let go by the Denver Broncos. On the other side of it, the usual suspects, the Tom Brady's, the Bill Belichick's, the Julian Edelman's, and the Rob Gronkowski's. So it is going to be one heck of a game. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about it, and, of course, we'll continue to do it with my guy here, Marvin Graves, as he said it, brother from another mother, couldn't say it better than I couldn't say it better myself, Marvin. I I appreciate you, I thank you, and I'm just uh, I'm honored to have you in my life, in, you know, outside of football as well, and outside of the world of sports. So, thank you for spending some time with us, and thank you for being who you are. Thanks, man. You're welcome, man. And the feeling is mutual, and um, <clears throat> it's kind of a happy and a sad time of the year because college football is over and now we're down to the last uh, football game. But I think it's been a great season both, you know, for SU and and for the NFL and uh, definitely looking forward to, um, you know, future shows and future topics and continuing to grow our relationship. Absolutely, and we, we're going to save that Dino Babers conversation. We'll, we'll keep that rolling into the next one here as we'll have plenty to talk about. So we'll talk with you coming up very soon here, Marvin, and thank you as always for everything. All right, take care, man. Have a great week. All right, you too. Be good, and, and take care of that neck of yours, okay? I will, man. Thanks. All right, be good. That coming from Marvin Graves once again. Marvin Graves, Syracuse Orange quarterback alum, cannot say anything I don't have the perfect words for Marvin. I really don't. I, 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 you know, I don't. Hearing him say that, you know, he thinks of me as a brother from another mother. It means, it means the world. It really does. And you know, it's it's moments like that in your life where you just take a step back and you're thankful. You know, because I don't have siblings, especially. So to to be, you know, to be thought of that way means a lot, and it makes you feel like you're doing something good in the world. So you know, it's a reminder. It's definitely a reminder of, of when you try really hard and you wonder if, if any of it's ever going to work and, uh, if you're ever going to help anybody or do anything, uh, where you can feel like you're leaving something positive in a world that has so much negativity and so much judgment. So I appreciate Marvin Graves and I appreciate who he is. I appreciate his words on Martin Luther King. I appreciate his words on equality and love and bringing people together. And I, I appreciate everything. So brother from another mother. Yeah, Marvin, I'll go with that. I'll roll with that. And I'll, I'll keep that forever in my pocket. I appreciate that. And I can't thank you enough. So shout out to Marvin Graves for being one tremendous human being. And I can't wait for what's coming up in the second hour. Cause I got another tremendous human being coming on the show. And I just I feel very blessed to be surrounded by the people that I have. Ross Tretzky is coming up in just a moment. God is great. Sends good people. You know, you put positive in, you get positive out. So Ross Tretzky is coming up next. Ross is a writer for the Times Leader in Northeast PA. He is a tremendous sportscaster and writer. And he is more, more important to me than anything. He is one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my life. So he's coming up in just a moment. We look forward to having him on the show. Listening to this fast break, great companies that work with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And as we spin back around here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on MixLR.com backslash DT and on WakeUpCallDT.com, you will hear from Ross. And we will continue the NFL conversation as well as talk a little bit of basketball and, of course, have some fun as we always do. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Remember, the day is today. The message is forever. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Hi, friends and fans. Home Team Pub is the place to be to cheer on your fave home team. Located at 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, HTP has you covered with an amazing drink selection. Let's not forget about the signature drinks or those kid-approved gourmet milkshakes. The happy hour specials and pub entrees will have your mouth watering. Check out the website, hometeampub.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more specials. At Home Team Pub, you're always the MVP. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Monday Morning Quarterback, heard on Mondays at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time with Marvin Graves, Syracuse Orange football alum playing quarterback for the team. Hope you all have a tremendous day, and make sure you stay close to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora by listening live every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. That's Mix, L is in live, R is in radio, dot com backslash Wake Up Call DT. You could also listen on WakeUpCallDT.com and get articles, videos, and so much more. Quick links to a bunch of different pages that we have and coverage that we have, and as well as seeing all of our central and upstate New York companies that proudly support Wake Up Call and that we proudly support in the community as well because they support you and they care about you. And with that being said, make sure you can continue to stay locked with us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. You can listen back to this episode and so many more by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the RSS feed, the Podbean podcast, iTunes, TuneIn, as well as YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and so much more. Thank you once again for being a part of the ride. I appreciate you. And... All glory be to God. I hope you all have a great day. God bless each and every single one of you.